Good morning, everybody. So good to see you. Uh, So good to be together with you. Those of you joining us online, wherever your location uh, might be, big welcome uh, to you. Now, if if, if today's your first time with us, you are joining us at uh, one of the most exciting seasons in the history of our church as we get ready in three weeks to launch River Glen Christian Church, Pewaukee Campus. And uh, last weekend, if you were here, we uh, commissioned... Uh, the launch team, it was just really emotional. It was really uh, cool. We had them come up on stage, many of them, as we uh, send off over 300 people to get that Pewaukee campus off to a, a strong, strong start. Now, we commissioned them uh, last weekend uh, because this weekend, uh, that's, they're over on, on site. They're, they're, in, they're in Pewaukee, and uh, they're beginning to hold test services. In fact, you know what? They're actually uh, live uh, with us uh, right now in their facility in uh, Pewaukee. So would you join me? Let's give them a big round of applause. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're going to hold uh, services uh, the next uh, couple weeks. And then uh, grand opening is uh, Sunday, October 7th at uh, two services at 9.15 and 10.45. But I need to ask everybody a favor. Not really a favor for me, but I hope that you'll hear this in the right way. I know there's a lot of buzz about the grand opening on, on October 7th. I know it sounds uh, really exciting to uh, many of us here at the Waukesha campus, and we'd like to go there. We'd like to, to be there for the, for the grand opening because it's the, the, the first week. But I want to ask for your help. I, I want you to visit Pewaukee, but I want you to wait until after October 7th. And the reason is because the auditorium at the Pewaukee location is much smaller. And if you go and occupy a seat at the uh, grand opening, you might, uh, you might take a seat that otherwise would be occupied by somebody uh, from that Pewaukee community. Plus, we've told the team that if you see anybody there from the Waukesha campus, you know, you pull them out of there. And we got some big, strong people. Over, I'm kidding, we're not going to uh, do that. Uh, but here's what I would like you to do. I want you to circle a date in uh, November. Let's give them some time to get uh, settled in. And uh, circle a date, circle a Sunday in November. And I really want you to go over there to visit them and see what we've been planning, preparing for, and, and, and praying uh, for. But please wait until then. Plus, on October 7th, we're launching a brand new series. And it's called Fixer Upper. It's going to be about relationships, not just romantic relationships, but all relationships, because from time to time, every one of us, we need to, you know, renovate our relationships. It's going to be a great series, be a good series to invite somebody to come with you. Now, today we come to week two of our series, Irresistible. Last week, I talked about how Jesus is irresistible. And uh, this verse, I actually have this on my wall in my office. I love this verse, Luke 2.52. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor Uh, Not just with God, uh, but God and man. God and other people. The word favor means that people liked uh, Jesus. People enjoyed hanging around Jesus. Now, maybe we don't think of Jesus that way, but you know what? He was a people magnet. He was a sinner magnet. People invited him to weddings and parties and, and social gathering. And Jesus, he makes the church irresistible. Take a look at how this verse uh, from the book of Acts describes the the first church in Jerusalem. They continued to meet together in the uh, temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and uh, enjoying, look at this word, the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Glad and sincere hearts uh, means they had joy. They were excited. 
And uh, they had the favor of all the people. I mean, people felt drawn, attracted to the church. The people on the outside saw the joy, the friendship, the love on the inside, and they wanted part of it. And uh, that's why the Lord kept adding to the number daily. The church was irresistible. And you know what? The church should be irresistible, not just back then, but also today. But irresistible doesn't just happen by accident. We've got to do our part in partnership with God. And so throughout the series, we're talking about specific steps we need to take to create the right environment in the church to make Jesus irresistible today. Last week, we looked at this principle Jesus taught, the level of involvement determines the level of impact. We need to be organized, and we need to be uh, ready so that when, when, when people come through the door, they feel welcome and they sense the presence of Jesus and they connect with it and they want to follow him and, and, and come back. And so I'm really excited to tell you that last uh, weekend we had 137 people uh, step on to volunteer teams, uh, serving teams. Look at this. People were so excited. They were taking selfies, you know, in the uh, lobby. It was a great, great uh, response. It was really cool. And it's not too late. If you want to get involved, we got a table in the uh, lobby over at the Connect Wall. It's got some balloons. Go over there after the service and they'll help you uh, get, get uh, connected. Uh, if you're over at Pewaukee, talk to Pastor Dave and he will help you out. Now today, I want to talk about another step that uh, each of us needs to take as individuals. Because wouldn't you agree, if we're going to be an irresistible church, then we need to live irresistible lives. We need to live with joy, filled with joy and excitement and the presence of, of Jesus. And for that to happen, all of us need to take this very important step that I want to talk about today. And I want to introduce this step to you by uh, showing you a piece of furniture uh, from our house. This is a, a piece of furniture we've had for many, many years. We've moved several times and we just can't get rid of it. It just keeps going with us. Anybody know what that is? What you call that? Yeah, that's a, that's a church pew. It came from the church that I grew up attending. Many, many years ago, they got rid of the pews. And my dad actually uh, took one. It was, it was a lot longer than that. And uh, he cut it uh, down. And uh, we keep it at our house. How many of you, I'm curious, how many of you have attended the church with uh, pews uh, before? Oh, yeah, uh, quite a few of you. Aren't you glad that we don't have pews? Yeah. They're not very comfortable. You know, there's no cushion, no lumber support. I think, I've got this theory, I think pews were designed to keep people awake. Uh, and they do a great job uh, of that. Uh, fortunately, chairs have gotten a lot more comfortable in church. But, but think about this. We still sit in rows in, in church, shoulder uh, to shoulder, uh, staring at the backs of people's heads. And rows are good. I mean, we gain lots of great information sitting in rows. We get inspired sitting in, in rows. But if we're going to be irresistible followers of Jesus, filled with love and joy and excitement, you know what? We can't just sit in rows. We need to move into a, a, a circle. We need to sit in a circle, kind of like this one up here, where we're face to face, because a circle allows us to really get connected to other people. Now, at River Glen, uh, we, we, we call circles, we have names for them, we call them uh, small groups, or life groups, or discovery groups, or, or care groups. And I want you to know, circles are not like something we thought up, a new, new trend. No, no, no. Circles are as old 
as the church. Look again at this scripture that describes the first church in Jerusalem. Notice there's two locations where they would meet. It says in the temple courts, it's a big open area about the size of a football field, probably gathered in rows. And then they also gathered in each other's homes, probably in circles. And, you know, many of you who've attended River Glen over the years, you know, you've heard us talk about small groups and why you need to get in one. And and some of you are like, okay, here we go again. But I want you to stay with me because I want to share with you a reason why every person needs to get in a circle. And I don't think we've ever shared this reason from this stage uh, before. In fact, if I was asked, what is, the, what is one, if you could just give one reason why everybody needs a circle, this would be it. And many people don't know about this reason or think about this reason, but it's vitally important for us as individuals and as a church. Here's why getting in a circle is so important for every follower of Jesus. Because all of us have a tendency to drift. All of us have a tendency to slide back into old behaviors that we want to uh, avoid. I worked as a pastor in Kentucky for uh, nine years, and uh, down south they've got a word for this. They call it backsliding, backsliders. And typically, we don't backslide or drift in a good direction. I mean, think about it. We, We rarely drift in a good direction when it comes to our health. Someone says, hey, how'd you lose so much weight? Oh, you know, I don't know. It just happened. You know, the pounds just fell off. I've never heard a conversation uh, like it just doesn't. It, life just doesn't work uh, that way. Sounds great, but it just doesn't. It just doesn't happen that way. Same with finances. Same with relationships. Typically, we drift in a negative direction, not a positive direction. And this is also true in our relationship with God. A relationship with God takes intentionality. It takes time. It takes discipline. It takes humility from the standpoint. I don't have this all figured out. And if we're not intentional, we drift and slide back into behaviors that we want to uh, avoid. Think about it this way. I really enjoy riding a bicycle. I, I love to ride my bike in the summertime. And uh, before I go on a bike ride, I always check the weather. I always check for two things. I check for rain. And if it's going to rain, I, I don't go. I'm a wimp. And I also check, and this is one I really care about, I check the wind. Yeah. Now, one time this summer, I went on a bike ride. And I didn't do my normal uh, check the weather routine. I just went. And it was really windy, like 20-mile-an-hour winds out there. And I know you look at this massive muscle up here and these guns, and uh, you think, oh, that wind's not a problem for you, Ben. But, you know, riding against the wind, I mean, it drains me. I mean, I felt like quitting when I was done. I was just completely exhausted. And you know what? That's a picture of life. Anything good, anything important, anything that brings us closer to God, we're going against the wind in this, in this world. It's like the wind is going this way and we're trying to go uh, this way. That's why some of us, as we come here and gather week after week, we wonder, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Because it's difficult. We're going against the wind in this world. But as followers of Jesus, we believe that not only can we have forgiveness of sins, which in itself is, is, is a great gift, we can have a relationship with God that satisfies the deepest longings in our heart and in our soul. And through that relationship with God, we discover he has a plan and a purpose for our lives. It's definitely worth it. It's more than worth it, but we're going against the wind. And that's why we're called not to do this alone. We're called 
as followers of Jesus to do it together, to get in a circle like this right here. Because when we're in a circle, it's easier And when we're all moving in the same direction, we go further and faster together than we could on our own. This summer, I went on a bike ride with a a group of friends. Normally, I ride by myself, and I got invited. I went on this this, uh, group ride, and uh, I'd never ridden this long before. We we went for a a four-hour bike ride uh, together. Normally, I'm like maybe up to an hour, but I'm so glad I did it because I discovered that not only is it a blast to uh, bike ride in a group, it's easier. And you go further and you go faster together than on your own. I could have never, I would have quit if I had tried to have done this by myself. And the same is true about following Jesus. What we're going to discover today is that one of the writers in the New Testament understood our tendency to drift and backslide. We're going to look at a powerful passage of Scripture In the New Testament, it's called the book of Hebrews. And not only does he acknowledge our tendency to drift, but it's a beautiful passage about the power of community, the power of circles. And so if you have a scripture with you, go ahead and open up to Hebrews chapter uh, 3. Here's what it says in verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living uh, God. I want you to notice a few things here. First of all, He writes this scripture to believers, to followers of Jesus. That's why they're called brothers. That's why he calls them brothers and sisters. And he says, don't go from believing to unbelieving. Don't turn away from the living God. Question for you, who in their right mind would turn away from God? Who in their right mind, after experiencing the love and the forgiveness and the joy and the mercy of of God, who would turn away from him? And walk away from him like all of us would. See, the writer of Hebrews recognizes something very important that I want you to realize. We are all capable of doing this. We can all go from believing to leaving God. Doesn't matter how long you believed. Doesn't matter how long you followed Jesus. Doesn't matter how much you know. Every one of us can go from believing to leaving God. Some of you wonder, Ben, could you do this? I mean, you know, you're a pastor. You do this for a living. Could you, are you capable of turning away uh, from God? Yes, I am. All of us, all of us could. All of us have the capacity to go from believing to leaving God. Maybe some of you have done this. Maybe things were going good in your life, but you went through a season where you drifted away from God. You stepped away from church. You drifted into, back into some old behaviors that you wanted to avoid. You drifted for a season, and now you're back. But here's the question, why? You know, why do we do that? Why do we do that when we go to college? Why do we do this when we uh, get really busy? Why do we do this when things are going uh, really good? Or why do we do this when things are going really bad? It's, it's interesting. The author of Hebrews gives us the solution to drifting and backsliding, but it's not an individual solution. It's a group solution. Notice the way he uses plural language in this scripture. Uh, Brothers and sisters, that's plural. Uh, The pronoun you, you can't tell in English, but I checked the original language and the pronoun you is actually plural. Down south they would say uh, you all or y'all or all y'all 
Kind of fun to say that, but the writer speaks to them as a group. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you all has a, has a sinful, uh, unbelieving heart. He's saying the, in, the, the solution to the drift, it's not an individual solution. The solution is not a stronger individual commitment to Jesus. It's not deeper convictions about right and, and wrong. The Hebrew writer says, you need this right here. You need, what you need is connection to other like-minded believers so that you follow Jesus faithfully and consistently. You need y'all. You need a circle. You need a group. Let's look, let's take another look at this passage, and here's where it goes a little bit uh, deeper. And he tells us that the drifting, actually, it actually comes from your heart. That's where the drift really begins, maybe with a uh, temptation, maybe with a doubt or a question about uh, God. Maybe you go through some pain and, and, and suffering. And since the drift comes from our heart, you know, we don't always see the drift. We don't even know. We may not even know that we're drifting. You can backslide and not even realize it. And you know, you know what, you can, you can drift and backslide and you can come and sit in a row. And rows are good, but rows don't know. A drifting heart doesn't show in a row. It, it, just, it just doesn't. You can come in here and, and sit in a row and, you know, everything looks great. You look beautiful. You look so together. But maybe your heart is drifting. You're going from believing to leaving God, but it doesn't show in a row. And that, that's why you need a circle because commitment and conviction are, are good. They're important, but they're not strong enough to maintain our freedom, uh, you need connection with people to follow Jesus faithfully. And uh, that's why the writer of Hebrews goes on. And he gives us this very helpful command. He says, but encourage one another uh, daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's uh, deceitfulness. Now, now, when he says encourage one another, okay, this isn't just saying, you know, hey, how's it going? What's up? What's new? No, the word encourage here means to urge, to appeal, to confront, to spur into action. It assumes some relationship. It, it assumes connection. It, it assumes permission. And so encouragement sounds like this. Keep going. You know, don't, don't quit, even though things are getting, are getting difficult. And when somebody begins to drift, it has permission to say, don't walk away. You're not, you're not in this alone. I'm, I'm with you. And you ask questions like, where have you been? Do you know where that leads? And notice this is daily. This is ongoing. This is for everyone. You never outgrow needing a circle. You never outgrow needing encouragement from other people. And then notice how the Hebrew writer uh, talks about sin. Talks about sin differently than we do. Normally we, we talk about sin as an action, a behavior. I stole something or I lied about something, something along uh, those lines. But sin is much more than actions. And behaviors. Notice he says, you can be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The writer talks about sin as a living, active force inside of us that can mislead us and deceive us. And one of the ways that sin deceives us is that we talk ourselves into doing foolish things. We say, oh, that won't happen to me. I'm the exception. Or I'll be happier if I do that. I'll be satisfied if I do that, and we talk ourselves into doing things that we regret, things we want to avoid, things that can destroy our life. 
Here's what the writer of Hebrews is, 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 is telling us. He's saying that the best defense against the deceitfulness of sin is we, not me. We is the best protection against the deceitfulness of sin in me. I can't depend simply on my commitment or convictions to maintain my freedom. They're not strong enough. I'll drift back into behaviors I want to avoid. I need connection with people in a circle like this who come into my life and they get to know me so that they can encourage me and strengthen me. And so I want to ask you a question. Don't answer this out loud, but I want you to answer this question in, in your mind. Here's the question. What are you telling yourself these days? What are you telling yourself these days? When you're all alone, what do you tell yourself that you keep to yourself? You know, maybe I'm tired of resisting this. I'm not really sure I believe this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. But you don't tell anyone else what you're telling yourself because you're afraid they would think that you're, you're crazy. But here's what some of us have done. We've had this experience. I've had this experience where you've told someone the lies, the self-destructive lies that you keep telling yourself. And when you told someone, when you brought it out into the open, you began to see it differently. And you gained freedom from it. Freedom from doing something that you really wanted to avoid. Something that you would regret. That's the power of community. That's the power of, of circles. Then the author goes on and he wraps up this section and it seems like he's going in a new direction, but he's not. This is very connected to this idea we've been talking about of drifting and backsliding. Here's what he says. We've come to share in Christ. Share in Christ means we've made a decision to follow Jesus if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. He says, here's how you know that you're a genuine follower of Jesus. You hold on to that original decision you made as an elementary student or a high school student or in your 20s or 30s or whenever you made the decision to follow Jesus and the sin from within doesn't win. And so he makes an important point here. If the drifting goes unchecked, if the backsliding goes unchecked, it will eventually lead to unbelief. I tried to summarize this passage from Hebrews because I think this is such a powerful scripture and so practical for us. Here's how I would summarize it. See to it on a regular basis. All of you have a circle so that you don't drift away from God because of the sin within. Circle up so that, so that the deceitfulness of sin doesn't cause you to eventually uh, drift away. Because you, when you start drifting, you know, it might start small. Uh, maybe you get really busy. Maybe you start hanging out with a new friend. Maybe you step back and disconnect a little bit from church. And you're not even thinking about leaving God. But what begins very small can grow and grow and grow and eventually become something really big in your life. And that's why I want you to get in a, in a circle like this. I want you to really get to know some people and care for each other. I want you to do life together. I want you to be willing to, to be honest with each other. I want you to give permission. Give each other permission to ask each other questions. I want you to really encourage uh, one another so that you don't drift away from the faith. All of us need a circle. And I'm telling you, this will make a huge uh, difference in your life. It will be a huge blessing 
in your life. And I'm not just telling you, uh, you know, you need to do this. I, I, me too. Me too. I need this in my life too. I'm in a, a River Glen circle that meets on Tuesday nights. And I'm, I'm grateful for that circle. I look forward uh, to going. I also joined a, another uh, circle uh, recently. About a year ago, I was at a conference. And I'm just walking through the uh, expo area. Bumped into an old friend named Alan. He's a retired pastor who leads uh, circles for pastors. And he told me about it and asked me if I'd be interested. And without really thinking, I said, yeah, it sounds interesting. I forgot about that conversation. A few months later, he calls me up and he tells me about the group and it sounded good, but I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not sure I have time for this. I don't think I have time for this in my schedule. And, and then he said, the group is for pastors, but the focus is more on the heart than ministry strategy. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm being honest, Ooh, you know, it's easier for me to just talk strategy than to really open up my heart. So I was going to say no, but then I thought, you know, I really like Alan, and maybe I'll ask a few people and see what uh, they think, a few people close to me, and uh, I'm sure they're going to tell me I'm too busy for, for this. And uh, then I can blame them when I tell Alan no. <laughs> but every one of them that I asked said, Ben, you should do it. And so I took a little risk, and I said yes, and I had to push through some fears. I'm about five months into it, and it's awesome. I love being part of this uh, new circle, making, making new friends. I need a circle. Everybody who follows Jesus needs a, needs a circle. And so here's what I want to do. Here's what I want you to do as we move into this next season as a church. I want everybody to get connected in a circle. Here's what this means. If you're in a group, maybe your group took a break over the summer. Time to get that group back together. It's September. Time to get your group going. Now, if you're here and you're not in a group, maybe you've never joined a group, maybe your group ran its course and disbanded. That happens. That's, that's okay. Uh, maybe you drifted from your group. Whatever the reason, if you're not in a group right now, I want you to get connected. I want you to engage with a group. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe this church thing is all new to you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to try one. Try a group. You may have to overcome some fears, but I want to challenge you to push through because you need other people. You need the power of community in your life. Now, for those of you that have been in a group for a while and you're a little further down, down the road in your spiritual journey, for this group season, I want you to be very intentional about looking for people who, who are just starting along. Maybe this is somebody who's already in your group or somebody who could be in your group. They're just beginning, and joining a group would be a new step for them. I want you to do exactly what the Hebrew writer says for us to do, and that is encourage them. I want you to take what God has poured into your life, and I want you to figure out a way to pour that into their life. And in, and in doing that, you know what? You're going to be blessed. You're going to grow in ways you never thought possible. Well, a great way to find a group and get connected in a group is to go to GroupLink. GroupLink is, it's like test driving a car before you buy it. The various group leaders are there to tell you about their group, answer any questions that you have to help you find the right group. Now, uh, GroupLink's coming up October 21st at Pewaukee. We're giving Pewaukee a little extra time to get settled in. But GroupLink is today at the Waukesha campus, right after this service, go to the Family Life Center, just go, just show up. They've got free lunch over there. They've got free childcare. It's kind of like a job fair. You know, you can come and go 
as you, as you please. Many of our groups will be represented at Grouplink, groups for men, groups for women, groups for couples, mixed groups. We also have a group, a discovery group called Alpha that is a great uh, place for people who want to find out what it really means to follow Jesus. It's a safe place to uh, find out answers to the big questions about the Christian uh, faith. They also, they even provide free dinner at Alpha. You can't beat that. And uh, you can sign up online or at the uh, Connect Wall or at Grouplink. Maybe some of you here, instead of joining a group, maybe you're ready to start a group, start a circle. That's awesome. We'd love to have more circles in our church. We've got resources that we can provide for you. We've got staff that will encourage you and help you every step of the way. Stop at the Connect Wall after the service uh, and someone will talk to you. Or over at Pewaukee, talk to uh, Pastor Dave and he'll help you out. I want you to hear from some ladies who are part of a River Glen circle called Mom Life. Take a look. Hello everyone, welcome to the couch with one of our Mom Life tables. My name is Alex Menti and I have four kids and I have been uh, coming to Mom, Mom's group for about four years. I'm Jessie Hetzel and I've been coming to Mom Life for two years. I have three kids, they're three, five, and seven. I'm Rachel, I have three kids and I've been coming to Mom Life for two years. I'm Maria, I have been coming to Mom Life for about two and a half years and I have two kids. All moms and even moms-to-be should come to Mom Life because it is one of the most amazing, real experiences that we can have um, as moms together in community. We have a lot of ladies come in maybe needing a break from their morning school routine or just coming for fellowship and catching up with friends. I like to come to Mom Life to spend time with other moms who are going through the same life experiences that I'm going through. I actually have a really great story about the first time I met Jesse. Um, one of our friends was in need of prayer and I loved it because right there on the spot we just held hands and we prayed over our girlfriend and it was just really emotional, really powerful and that was the first time that I experienced that prayer on the spot for another mom, another friend. It just makes a really big difference. As a wife and a mom, it's so easy to become discouraged um, with social media and just other pressure, but when you come to Mom Life, you just feel completely encouraged by the speakers that they have that day or even just our small group conversation. Yeah, I feel encouraged during the week after Mom Life because if there's something going on, I know that these other ladies will check in with me and give, like, provide encouragement throughout the week with um, phone calls, text messages, playdates. So it's not just uh, spending time together at in our small group at Mom Life, but also hanging out during the week and yeah. meeting up. It's nice to come together with um, other moms that are going through the same challenges when it comes to being a parent and coming together like as sisters in Christ and being able to encourage one another. It really is for every season. So there are moms who join us that are pregnant, and then we have moms who have kids in high school and everything in between, uh, which is really awesome because we get to talk about, you know, share with our friends who are in the same place, but also look ahead and get advice from moms who have been there, done that. Learning about Jesus in our group has really encouraged me to then be more vocal with my kids and help them be rooted in 
Jesus and Christ's love and just encourage them to talk to their friends about God. And that's something that at least being in mom life has really helped me keep my kids accountable, keep me accountable, being um, reading my Bible, praying in front of them um, on a daily basis. Let's give those ladies a hand. That's a great story. I love the way that they encourage each other. I, did you notice how many times they use that word, in encouragement? And I, I want everybody, I want everybody here to be in a circle like that. Because I want you to live irresistible lives. I want you to have irresistible marriages. I want you to raise irresistible kids and students. Those of you that are single, I want you to develop relationships that are set up for long-term success. And most of all, I want everybody to have an irresistible uh, relationship, connection with Jesus. But the biggest obstacle is overcoming our tendency to slide and drift. And the solution is to get in a circle. Commitment and, and conviction are, are good. They're important, but they're not strong enough. We need a connection with like-minded people to follow Jesus consistently and uh, faithfully. I'm going to pray for us, and, and then uh, during this next song, we're going to uh, pass out communion. Our communion is open to anybody that follows Jesus, but we're going to do communion a little bit different today. I want you to hold the communion cups. Hold on and, and hold those cups and uh, wait until our, our music team is going to lead us to share communion together as a symbol of our unity of our connection as God's family and how we are better together, all because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the, the beauty and the power of community, for making us in a way that we really need encouragement from one another. God, would you help us to realize that every person here has the capacity to drift? I'm not the only one. We all have this tendency and individual commitment and conviction are good and important, but not strong enough to maintain our freedom. We need connection with each other. And so, God, would you help us circle up this fall so that we can really encourage and strengthen each other to follow you consistently and enjoy the freedom that you have given us. And God, we also want to lift up our, our new Pewaukee location, the Pewaukee campus, and pray, God, give them a strong start. And God, make our whole church, both campuses, places where people encounter the irresistibility of Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.